Well, today is one of those days on the calendar, isn't it? Uh, one of those hallmark holidays, I think they usually call them. And uh, and I don't know about you, but but I can't help but think about my dad. And maybe you're the same. Maybe you still have your dad. I, I don't have mine. He's he's gone to be with the Lord. I'm going to talk about him for a minute. Because he's the one to help form who this guy is that stands here before you. Dad was born in 1910. And to, to put that in a little bit of perspective of, of what was going on back then, Orville and Wilbur first flew in 1903. So dad was born seven years after that. So the infancy of air flight was just started. The automobile was still in infancy. Do you, do you understand? Uh, and we, we've had our pandemic. And, and you heard him talking about the 1918 pandemic. Dad was eight years old. And as far as I know, the family all survived. Worldwide, some 50 million people died of Spanish flu. Dad survived so that I could be here. And he's been gone to be with the Lord, and I know exactly how many years ago it's been because all I've got to do is look at my granddaughter, Sierra. She's 18. And Sierra, you're blessed out of the group of your siblings because mom and dad got to come back from their deployment in Germany. Your mama was pregnant with you, and you were born... And I can remember, I wish we had a picture. I wish we had a picture. I've got it in my mind. Dad was in the hospital. He was, he was, he, he, he was going down. But he had a good day the day we got to go. And he got to hold Sierra as a baby. And we talked and we laughed. And had such a good time. And got to hold his great granddaughter. And in three days he was with the Lord. <laughs> we still live on the farm that dad purchased. And I said dad made it through the Spanish flu. and uh, he, he made it through the Spanish flu, but he didn't make it through polio. When he was a teen, teenager, he contracted polio in his right leg. And and if you've ever known anyone, uh, you know, they'd have to be pretty old uh, for the most part, or, or or in a foreign land. But but it, it atrophies muscles, and so he had his right leg was diminished somewhat in strength, and it was about half the size. Uh, the length was already there because as the age he was when he contracted it, but but the muscles were not there. And, but he didn't let it slow him down. We still worked the farm. We still did everything. And I can remember, and again, just let, let's let me talk for you. Is it okay? Can I just talk? I can remember us going to a family reunion. You always had the family reunion. Well, softball game. And, uh, and here's dad. He's going to play softball. And, and I don't know if I'd ever seen him run, which his run was far different. And uh, because it was more of a hop and a skip because he couldn't plant that right foot down very good. And so I remember him getting a hit and here he goes, hopping, skipping around those bases. And I, I will never forget that, but he never let it get him down. And it wasn't till later in life that he started to use a cane to help him to be a little more stable. And I mentioned that, that we are on the farm and I've probably shared this with some of you before. Uh, I got the box of dad's important papers when he passed and, and in it was still the original deed of, of when they bought the first part of the farm. He was living with mom up in St. Louis. He was working at Procter and Gamble and, uh, and at 28 years old, he had saved up enough money. Him and my grandpa young, my mother's father went together and on the deed, uh, it, it had uh, where they had purchased I wrote it down here, 140 acres for $1,800. Wouldn't you like to do that again today? Uh, 140 acres 
for $1,800. This, this was in 1936. What was happening in 1936? Great Depression. This was in the Great Depression. But, but dad was, had, had been to St. Louis and had been up there working since he was 18. Uh, I guess he had enough seniority and his, his job was secure and, and enough that he saved and was able to do this. And, and we are still benefiting from that first little part of that farm. And then he added, 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 I think totaled 350 by the time he got done buying more and more land. And, and Dawn and Chuck are in a, in the house dad built some 40 years ago. Of course, now it's vastly remodeled and improved, but, uh, but the front porch is the same. Yeah. And that's a lot of what I remember. Because this is when I was working down at Glover, down at Asarco. And, and a lot of times, if I was, especially when I was on day shift and I was getting off on day shift and I'd come pulling in, Dad would be sitting over on the front porch. And a lot of times, as soon as I would pull in, I'd look over there and he'd be going like this. That means get over here. I got something I got to share with you. And, uh, you can't help but miss those moments. But I thank the Lord for them. And I thank the Lord for my dad because of the things that he taught me. The, the, the character, the, the, the work ethic, the, so many different things of life that my dad taught me. And though this is Father's Day and and my father has gone on to be with the Lord, I still have a father that's with me. I still have a father that's with me, and that's my heavenly father. And, and as I pondered those thoughts toward my heavenly father, then I must consider all that he has done for me. And so today, child of God, this is, this is going to be our theme today. To remind ourselves of the great love of our Heavenly Father and give thanks to Him, to give honor to Him, to give glory to Him, all to Him. We've talked about this in Romans 2, verse 7. Romans 2, verse 7. Where Paul had talked about eternal life to those who by patient continuance and doing good seek for glory, honor, and immortality. That those who are born again Seek for glory, honor, and immortality. The glory and honor of our Heavenly Father. Let, let's pray once again before we go any further. Heavenly Father, we, we do give you thanks for this glorious day. And Lord, I just pray, <laughs> above all, that, that, if, that if there should be anyone listening to this sermon that does not know you as Father, that, Lord, you would have mercy and open their eyes to see their need of a Savior, Jesus Christ, who provided a way of redemption, a way to you, Lord God. And so open eyes. And open, uh, even those who, who are born again, Lord, open our eyes even more that we may know you more this day that we may give you honor and may, we may give you glory. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, in talking about a heavenly father, I understand that, that perhaps there may be some who may listen to this sermon and, and you get talking about God as a good father there are some who have no idea what a good father is. There are some, and I would say many, on the face of this planet who don't even know who their earthly father is. Or perhaps they do know who he is and he's, he's a tyrant. Perhaps an addict. Perhaps beats his wife. And so their view of a father, when you talk, talk about God as father, their view is very skewed. And I read this from Martin Lloyd-Jones. Let, let, me, let me just read what he says as he addresses the thought of God as their father. Quote, 
There are many people in this world to whom the idea of fatherhood is not one of love. Imagine a little boy who is the son of a father that is a drunkard and a wife beater and who is nothing but a cruel beast. That little boy knows nothing in life but constant and undeserved thrashings and kickings. He sees his father spend all his money on himself and his lusts while he himself has to starve. That is his idea of fatherhood. If you tell him that God is his father and leave it at that, it is not very helpful and it is not very kind. The poor boy of necessity has a wrong idea of fatherhood. That is his notion of a father and a man who behaves like that. So our human sinful notions of fatherhood need constant correction. End quote. Because every earthly father is imperfect, flawed, and sinful. Any father say amen to that? You, you know who you are. I know me. That fits me. Imperfect, flawed, and sinful. But God is perfect. He is righteous. He is holy. He is the perfect Father. And so, let, let me start by asking a very simple question. Who is God the Father of? Now, there will be many who will say that He is the Father of every human on earth. God is Father, everyone on earth. No, He is not. And now, now, now listen, at, at best, at best, at best, we can say this, that God is the creator and sustainer of all people, but He is not Father to all. Do, do we understand what I'm saying? He is the creator of all, and He is the sustainer of all. Everything exists and consists and keeps moving on because of His mercy and grace toward us. And Jesus Himself has taught us that God is not everyone's Father. Let, let's begin now in John the 8th chapter, uh, verses 42 through 47. Jesus said to them, If God were your Father, you would love Me, for I proceeded forth and came from God. Nor have I come of myself, but He sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my word. You are of your father, the devil. And the desires of your father, you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth. Because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which of you convicts me of sin? And if I tell the truth, why do you not, why do you not believe me? He who is of God hears God's words, therefore you do not hear, because you are not of God. Is God the father of all? No. No. No, only of the redeemed, only of the redeemed. Let's, let's go to Romans 8, Romans 8. Let, let's read verses 8 through 17. Romans 8, 8 through 17. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God, but you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now I'm going to pause for just a moment. It's talking about our identity in Christ. It's talking about spiritual identity. Uh, when it's talking about those who are in the flesh cannot please God. That, that's the unregenerate. Still far from God. Uh, but you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. Those who are born again. Born of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. He's not the Lord's. If you don't have the Spirit of God in you, you're not His. Every born-again Christian has the Spirit of God indwelling them. The, 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 the treasure and earthen vessel, every born-again believer has the Spirit. There, there are those who think otherwise. You cannot be born again without the Spirit in you. It is the Spirit that brings life. Now, is there, is there 
other things in, in the Word of God. Scotty, the, the book you, there of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Is there more? Is, is there more to, to the Holy Spirit that, that, that in our uh, uh, sanctification we will learn more of? Yes, I believe so. But every, every born-again believer has the Holy Spirit in them. Uh, now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit which dwells in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Or Brian, we're reading it again, aren't we? Verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. Do we get that? Do we all get that? For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption. <laughs> the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together. So that's the child of God. That This is those who God is the Father of to these. So who can legitimately call God Father? Only those who have the Holy Spirit indwelling them, the Spirit of adoption. Don't, don't you like that term? I like that. Spirit of adoption. Let's go to Ephesians, first chapter. Verses 3 through 6. Ephesians first chapter, verses 3 through 6. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved <laughs> oh don't you love it don't you love that yeah, l- let's go to galatians the fourth chapter galatians the fourth chapter galatians fourth chapter verses four through seven four through seven now when the fullness of the time had come god sent forth his son born of a woman born under the law why Why? Why did he do that? Verse 5. To redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave. (laughs) No longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Oh, child of God, aren't you thankful that you're no longer a slave to sin, but now that you are a son or a daughter of the Lord Most High? (laughs) Only those who have the Holy Spirit indwelling them can truly call God Father. Only those who are born again, born of the Spirit, the Spirit of adoption. In John 1, first chapter, uh, verses 12 and 13, you know these verses. But as many as received Him... To them He gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in His name, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Born of God. Not just because you were born. Uh, Many thought, well, I was born a Jew, so I'm good to go. No, no, no. Not by ancestry. not, Not by any false religion or any other religion other than Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Uh, to those who believe, how oh, do you believe? Do you believe today? It is by the will of God that anyone is saved. It is by God's will, by His good pleasure, and for His glory that any of us were saved. He 
qualified us. Let's read that. Let's read that. It's in Colossians 1, uh, verses 12 through 14. Colossians 1, 12 through 14. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance in the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. Thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers in the inheritance in the saints. Second Peter, first chapter, verses 2 and through 4. Second Peter 1, 2 through 4. 2 Peter 1, 2 through 4, grace and peace be multiplied to you, to you in the knowledge of God and, the, and of Jesus our Lord, as His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. It is through Him who has qualified us, able to escape the corruption and to be made partakers of the divine nature. So that's regeneration. That's being born again. Partakers of a divine nature. Partakers of a heavenly inheritance. Partakers of eternal life. <laughs> For all who believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. John 3. Let's read. John 3, verses 14 through 17. You know these verses. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Lifted up on the cross, you see. Why? Why? That whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Are you saved? Or do you believe? Do you believe the gospel of Jesus Christ? Do you know that you're a sinner in need of a Savior? Oh, I pray that you, you have been there and that you have cried out to the Father for forgiveness and, re, and salvation. Let, let's go to John the 10th chapter. Because we will know we will know. You'll know if you're saved. Uh, we already read it earlier that His Spirit will bear witness with our spirit that we might know that we know Him. John 10, let's go to verse 27 through 29. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. <laughs> Are you a follower of Christ? See, that's kind of what it comes down to, it, isn't it? My sheep hear my voice. Do you hear the voice of the Lord? Do you follow Him? Is that your desire, to follow Him and be obedient to Him and His Word and His commands? My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And I give them, what? Eternal life. And they shall never... Never, never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. Is there security of the believer, the true believer? <laughs> yes, there is. Yes, there is. Security to the true believer, not to the, the false professor, not to those who just make a claim, but there's no spirit within them, not to them. But to those who are truly born again, we have a we, we, we have a sure foundation. He has given us eternal life and will never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. Isn't that great to know? In all my failures, I'm still in His hand. I'm still His child. There's times when I'm a disobedient child, but I'm still His. I'm still in His hands. And I'm so thankful that He will never, never, 
never let me go. <laughs> and I, you know, the, the, the thought of one of the songs, the, the Pierce boy saying, oh no, never let go. He'll never let go of me. We'll have to look that up sometimes. That was a good song. And he will, he will never, to the true born again believer, he will never let us go. In John 17, the first three verses. John 17, first three verses. How do we, do we have a wonderful and great, loving Heavenly Father? Oh, yes, we do, child of God. Yes, we do. John 17, first three verses. Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son also may glorify you, as you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. <laughs> oh, do you know Him? Do you know Him? God, our Heavenly Father, has qualified us for eternal life. He has qualified us for a heavenly inheritance that cannot and will not fade away, be taken away, reserved in heaven for us. First Peter, first chapter. Let's read it again. First Peter, first chapter, verses 3 through 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope. Uh, NESB, I says, has caused us to be born again. Is by His will, by His will, by His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To what? To what? Verse 4. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. For you, born-again believer. For you, child of God. That this is what is reserved for you. An inheritance, incorruptible and undefiled, and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are being kept by the power of God through faith, for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. What can snatch us out of His hand? Nothing. Because we are being kept by the power of God, and who is greater than Him? No one. No one. No one. We have an inheritance. Guaranteed. Reserved in heaven. Psalms 94, verse 14. Psalms 94, verse 14. For the Lord will not cast off His people, nor will He forsake His inheritance. See, I think we can apply that yet today because we have an inheritance and He will not forsake His people. He will not cast them off and not forsake His inheritance. And in Psalms 37, verse 28, Psalms 37, verse 28, For the Lord loves justice and does not forsake His saints. They are preserved forever. You got that? They are preserved Forever. But the descendants of the wicked shall be cut off. See, that, that's all that we've been talking about so far in Book of Romans, isn't it? About the two different classes, if you want to put it that way, of people. That those born again, those unbelievers, believers, unbelievers. One or the other, one or the other. How about Deuteronomy 31, verse 8. And the Lord, He is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear nor be dismayed. (laughs) Child of God, we have an inheritance guaranteed, reserved in heaven. And we who have been born of God are being kept by the power of God. See, for the child of God, we do have a heavenly Father watching over us. Do we not? We do. We do. He's watching over us. He cares for us. Did you know that? Did you know He cares for you? And and you may think, oh, but boy, there's times where I kind of wonder if He does some of the things I've gone through and are going through. Oh, He knows what we need. He knows what we need. Sometimes we need that trial. Because he does care for us. He does care for us. First Peter 5, verses 6 and 7. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God 
that He may exalt you in due time. In His time. In His time. He will lift you up in His time. Casting all your care upon Him, for He cares for you. A child of God, never think that He doesn't care for you because He does. He does. He has a plan and purpose for every trial that we go through. He does. Now we know this in Philippians 4.19. Many of you know this verse as well by heart. And my God shall supply all your need, all your need, all your need, according to your riches, according to His riches and glory by, by Christ Jesus. He will supply our need, not our want. So there's a vast difference in there. Oh, a tremendous, vast difference between what we need and what we want. Because sometimes we need tribulation. Sometimes we need adversity. Sometimes we need a thorn in the flesh as the Apostle Paul had. At, at times we, we need a trial to teach us humility and patience. Sometimes we need those things so that we would know that the strength is not of our own but of a Him. And may we always know that God cares for us and will supply our true need. Amen? Let's read a, a, a lengthy portion from, from Matthew, the sixth chapter. So just, just let the Word of God speak. You, you know this, you know this, but let's read it. Matthew 6, let's start in verse 25 and go down through the chapter. Verse 34. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. And, and yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first. But seek first. What should we be seeking after, child of God? But seek first. The kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. See, I, I believe the message of Christ in Matthew 6 is simply this. If God cares for the lesser things on earth, the birds of the air, the lilies and grass of the fields, how much more, how much more will He care for His children? Think about that. How much more will He care? Let's read Luke 12, verses 6-7. Are not five sparrows sold for two copper coins? And, and not one of them is forgotten before God. <laughs> but the very... Hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. Let's go back then to Matthew, Matthew 7, verses 9 through 11. Or what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will you give him a serpent? If you then, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? Do we have a good Heavenly Father? Yes, we do. Yes, we do. How much more will your Father who is in heaven? Jesus taught us to pray like that, didn't He? 
Isn't that how he taught us to pray? Uh, Matthew 6, verse 9. Just put that up for a moment. In this manner, therefore, pray our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. See, God's children recognize Him as holy. Holy is your name. And while we should be thrilled and marvel at the access we have as children to come into His presence and cry out, Abba, Father, Daddy. Now, now listen, now listen. We must also understand that His name is to be hallowed. He is to be honored above all things as holy. See, it's we, we could get caught up in knowing, and it's what a wonderful thing to know that we're His child and we can come before Him, Abba, Father, but never forget who He is. He is Most High God. He is Most High God. And He is to be honored as holy. We sang it this morning. Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty. He is God. He is God. And He is to be esteemed above all else, adored, glorified, praised, honored, and worshipped as the one who is above all else and infinitely holy. See, it's His children who are to revere Him, (laughs) to honor Him. And we do that when we believe that He is who He is. Believe that He is. Oh, let's read that. Let's read that. That's in Hebrews eleven six. I didn't emphasize that just for my own doing. That's what the Word says. Hebrews eleven six. But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. By grace we are saved through faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is. And that He is the rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. <laughs> to God, For he who comes to God must believe that He is. And, and there's a great magnitude to that statement. Believe that He is. That He is the one and only true God. The God of all creation. There is none like Him at all. He is. He is. He is God. And He is deserving of all honor and praise. And as His children, we must honor Him. Even more, exceedingly more, than an earthly father. And so then perhaps the question may come to us, am I doing that? Do I truly honor my heavenly Father? Do I honor Him with the life that I live? I found this statement in some of my old notes. I don't remember coming up with it or where I might have gotten this, but I thought it was pretty good. It says, Child of God, in light of your identity, what is your activity? If we're truly born again and we are His, then what are we about? What are we doing? In light of our identity, what is our Activity. Because from, from Romans, what did, what did we uh, read? And what did we talk about uh, two, three weeks ago? Probably two different Sundays. That judgment will be according to what? Deeds. Now we're saved by grace through faith. But those who are saved by grace through faith, will, they are saved for good works. And so they will be doing deeds that are according to righteousness. So what are we about? What is our works? What is our deeds? Matthew 5 verse 16 says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Do I do that? Does my light shine that the Father might be glorified? Do I truly reflect Him? And His glory to the world around me. What is my activity? Do I honor the Father with my life? Ask yourself the same question. Let's go on to Malachi. 
for just a moment. Malachi, first chapter. Let's read verses 6 through 8. 6 through 8, and then we're going to drop down. Malachi, first chapter, 6 through 8. A son honors his father, and a servant his master. If then I am the father, where is my honor? If I am the master, where is my reverence? Says the Lord of hosts to to you priests who despise my name. Yet you say, in what way have we despised your name? You offer defiled food on my altar, but say, in what way have we defiled you? By saying the table of the Lord is contemptible. And when you offer the blind as a sacrifice, is it not evil? And when you offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? Offer it then to your governor. In other words, what's it saying? Go pay your taxes with with this kind of animal. Offer this to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you favorably, says the Lord of hosts? (laughs) No. No. Verse 13 and 14. Drop down verse 13 and 14. You also say, "Oh, Oh, what a weariness. And you sneer at it, says the Lord of hosts. And you bring the stolen, the lame, and the sick. Thus you bring an off, thus you bring an offering. Should I accept this from your hand, says the Lord? But cursed be the deceiver who has in his flock a male and takes a vow, but sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name is to be feared among the nations. (laughs) See, here's how this passage hit me. God is my father, deserving of honor, deserving of my very best, but what do I truly give him? Ask yourself the same question. God, our Heavenly Father, who has provided for us a way of salvation that we might come to Him as His children, what do I, what do we truly give Him? What sacrifices do I give? Because we see what they were doing. You see it in the time of ritual sacrifices, they were to bring the first. They were to bring the best. And offer it unblemished and perfect. But instead they were bringing things that were stolen. <laughs> Can you imagine that? I'm going to go bring it. Take an offering to the Lord. Well, I don't have. I don't want to give up any of my stuff. I'll go steal something from somebody else. And offer that to the Lord. Can you imagine that? They were offering the lame, the sick. Well, well this one's going to die anyway. Let's go offer this one. So I must ask myself, what sacrifices do I give my Heavenly Father? And I'll ask this question, child of God, what sacrifices are we to offer to the Lord? Well, I love Psalms 107. I read it quite often, I suppose. The first two verses, Psalms 107, first two verses, then drop down to verse 22. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. For his mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. And then drop down to 22. Let them sacrifice the sacrifice of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. So what is, what is one of the sacrifices that we are to make? A, a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. All the time, he is good. In 1 Peter, 2nd chapter, verse 5. 1 Peter, 2nd verse, or 2nd chapter, verse 5. And, and, and this is in talking about us as being chosen by God and precious. Peter says this, uh, You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. Why? Why? To offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable God through Jesus Christ. So we are to offer up spiritual sacrifices. In, in Romans 12, verse 1, you know what it says there. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. (laughs) In light of what He has done, that we give our lives to Him. It's only reasonable. It's only reasonable. 
sacrifices of thanksgiving, spiritual sacrifices, presenting our bodies as our lives as a living sacrifice. What's the will of God for His children? Uh, Perhaps it doesn't get any more simple than in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. You know these verses. We're just reminding ourselves of these over again today. Rejoice always. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. <laughs> That's been a little hard for me. And, and, uh, and I know it's probably been a little hard for some of you. In everything, give thanks. Not, not for everything. See, there's a difference. There's a difference. You, you, you don't give thanks for everything, but in the midst of everything, we give thanks. Because I'm not thankful for pain I'm still trying to work through. But in it, I'm trying to learn to be thankful. And everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. What's the will of God? Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks. This is the will of God. Child of God, you want to know what the will of God is? There you go. Pretty simple, isn't it? Malachi 1 verse 6. A son honors his father and a servant his master. Then, If then I am the father, where is my honor? Where is my honor? See, and it's made me stop to, to think. Is, is the Lord looking at me and, and asking that question? I am your father. Where is my honor? <laughs> Perhaps that's a question we need to all ask ourselves today. If God is my Father, then do I show Him honor in my life? And then I'm going to ask this question because it's so very important. Do you truly know God as Father? Does His Spirit bear witness with your spirit that you are a child of God? Do you know Him? Do you know Him? So I want to read Romans 10 verses 9 through 13 that we read so often. That if you confess with the Lord, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, Whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I'll say this, whoever calls on the name of the Lord and is saved will be changed. They have become a new creation, a new creature. They have become something that they never were before. And if not, oh yeah, I'm saved, but all you see is the old creature? What's that telling you? One of two things: either they're they're living in in in, in uh, disobedience, and at some point he is going to bring them back, or it tells you they're not saved. It's one of the two. It's one of the two. So perhaps the greatest question that we can pose ourselves on this Father's Day is this: Is God your Father? And if you say He is, then the question may be. Do you pray with confidence that He is? And that He is the rewarder of those who seek Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is. And if we truly believe that He is, then that in itself should settle a lot of things in our hearts and minds, shouldn't it? (laughs) If God is our Father, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in us, the fact should settle a lot of things that He is is now i want to close with with a quote from john macarthur i thought he put this all very well quote he is abba father and that settles the matter of fear and that settles settles the matter of hope 
and that settles the matter of loneliness, and that settles the manner the matter of resources. Every time you pray, Father, you're not lost in the crowd. Think about the story of the loving father. I prefer to call it the story of the loving father rather than the prodigal son because it is really about the love of God for a returning prodigal. In Luke 15, when he comes back, the magnanimous affection of the father for the disobedient child is overwhelming. All he wants is to be a servant and the father will have none of it. Put the ring on his finger. Kill the fatted calf. Put a robe on. Let's have a party to end all parties. You're that son. That's right. You are that son. And the father's arms are open to you to embrace you and to fall on your neck and to kiss you. He is our father in the truest sense. And that's where all prayer begins. And it means we're not lost in the crowd. And it means he cares. And he is the source of everything. And his resources are unlimited. (laughs) Deuteronomy 31.8. We'll end with this. And the Lord, he is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear nor be dismayed. (laughs) Know you have a loving Heavenly Father. Let's pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. For you are great and greatly to be praised. You are above all things. You're above all. And Father, help me, help us all to never forget that you are to be revered and honored above all. And because you are the great God of creation, it should humble us to our knees at the very thought of being able to call you Father. So thank you, Father, for sending your only begotten Son to provide a sacrifice for sin that I might have a way to you. And Father, should there be anyone who would listen to this who is yet lost and doesn't know you as Father, have mercy and open their eyes to see. To see their sin and then to see you, most holy God. And then to see the cross, the sacrifice for sin. Grant faith to believe. Grant repentance as confession is made. Draw them to yourself. Adopt them into your family, I pray. So Lord, help us to consider all we've heard today. Help us that we may consider our life, our activity. And that all that we would say and do would bring honor and glory to you. So help us, Father, to do that very thing. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.